Welcome to Changing the Game. We are your hosts. My name is Colin Davenport of todaysfastbreak.com. And I'm Jeffrey Brown of sonicsrising.com and Storm Chasers. This week, we are going to discuss the last three games for the Seattle Storm, including contests against Indiana, Phoenix, and New York. And we'll also be summarizing a little bit of the WNBA and take an early look at the front runners for MVP. So without further ado, let's get right into it with a recap of the Storm versus Indiana. The Storm played Indiana this past Wednesday. It was a road game. Unfortunately, they got beat pretty handily. Final score was 80. 575, but they were losing that contest by 20 points or so for a good portion. What was really interesting about this game was it was a great matchup between two of the top rookies in the WNBA this year, uh, being Seattle's Brianna Stewart and Indiana's Tiffany Mitchell. Mitchell set a new career high with 19 points that included 7 out of 7 from free throw line, which is a great sign for a rookie being able to attack the basket, draw those fouls, because we know that a lot of times the shot's not going to go down, but if you can draw that contact and get to the line, you're always going to be able to score. Brianna Stewart had countered that with 22 points and 8 rebounds, which led all scores. Sue Bird continued to have her consistent play this year. She had 14 points and 6 assists and Indiana countered that with Lynetta Kaiser came off the bench and she scored a career high of 20 points with a lot of those coming down in the low post. In this game, the Storm started off really well. They, the first two minutes of the game they were up 7 to nothing, which was great. Looked like it was going to be a really strong game for the team and sadly it just kind of fell apart from there. The Indiana Fever went on an 18-7 to run in that first quarter and then they ended up going on an 11 to 1 run at the end of the second quarter to go up 51 to 38 at halftime. Indiana ended up taking their largest lead of the game in the third quarter, going up 72 to 50. What we've noticed is at that point, it was three of the four Seattle Storm losses. Jewel Lloyd has scored under 15 points. That's been a big key in their wins. She's averaged nearly 30 points a game in their wins, but in the losses, she's not scoring nearly as much, and that's been a key factor. And in that game, Jewel Lloyd only had 11 points. A few other notes from that game was Alicia Clark, who's the starting small forward for Seattle was out with a right knee injury, so she did not play at all. What's been a really bad problem for this young Storm team is turnovers, and they had 20 turnovers on the road, which is just a recipe for disaster. Some other interesting things was that uh, Blake Dietrich finally saw her first minutes. Good experience for her. Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, she continues to struggle with her shot. Uh, She went 0 for 3 from 3-point range. That's supposed to be her specialty. That's what's going to get her minutes on the court. And she's just not coming through right now, and so that's disappointing. Monica Wright, who had not played for a few games, uh, finally saw some minutes in this game. Those were the first minutes she had really gotten since playing her old team, Minnesota, on May 22nd. And now I'm going to send it over to Collins. A few things about this matchup between Indiana and Seattle. Seattle got off to that 7-0 start, but Indiana, the veteran team that they are, fresh off going to the finals and pushing it to the fifth game, they knew how to respond to that challenge, and they did. Seattle, being so young, did not respond. It's been something they struggled with all this season. Missing Alicia Clark out there on the floor is a big part of it. She's got multiple years of experience in the WNBA, She was the leading scorer in the country in college. She was an MVP in Israel two years running. She was an assistant coach at her alma mater for a year. Her basketball IQ is invaluable to molding this team on the floor for Indiana. Tamika Catchings played under 20 minutes and only had nine points and four rebounds. Another thing to really look at is Sue Bird played some of the fewest minutes she's played all year, 27 and a half minutes. She's played as many as 39 in a game that went to overtime this year. 
She's actually averaging the most minutes she has in five seasons. So it's nice to see that her minutes went down, but we saw the result there, the lack of experience for this roster really, really hindering it. As always, big problems for a young team. Turnovers and rebounds, they were out-rebounded 27-22. to 22. And, of course, 20 turnovers to only 14 from Indiana. It, it just comes down to experience. Being on a road trip, they literally flew from Seattle to Indiana to play one game and then flew all the way back to Seattle. It's just a learning process for them. We saw how they responded in the very next game against Phoenix. At home against the Mercury, the team picked by the general managers of the league to win the championship, who are struggling drastically right now. Yeah, they're really struggling. It's it's kind of crazy to see. They've got two wins so far, and they would get pick up another loss playing against Seattle. The Storm handling the supposedly dominant Mercury very easily with a 95-81 win. Both Jeff and I really want to talk about what is going on with Phoenix before we recap this game overall. We've got problems in chemistry. We've got lack of production from players we really expect to get production from. I'm going to throw it over to Jeff for him to break down his views on that. So something that I was seeing in that game was just with Diana Taurasi, obviously one of the greatest WNBA players of all time, but I'm used to a much fiery passion, a much more intense competitor of Taurasi seeing her out on the court. And I did not see that in Friday's game, which was just shocking. I mean, there's been so many games I've gone to and, Tarasi's playing the storm and just, you know, shooting lights out and talking trash to the crowd and talking, you know, trash in general. Um, just really, you know, fiery competitor. And I just did not see that in this game. And that was it was pretty shocking. I mean, she was held to just eight points in that game on three and nine shooting, um, just one for four from three point range. And so and she just just did not really seem like she was into it. And I don't know. I mean, obviously this is her, she took last season off from the WNBA, but she just seemed like she, I don't know if it's, you know, she's won the three championships. Obviously she's already played quite a long career in the WNBA. Maybe just the, uh, that hunger and drive. Maybe it isn't there that, uh, or maybe it was just one night. Maybe it was just a bad game, but it's something that is definitely going to be interesting to keep an eye on as they go on, because, I mean, she she's their leader. They're going to go as far as Tarasi and Griner take them, and, you know, especially Tarasi. So it, that's going to be really interesting to watch, because now they've dug themselves a hole, and they got to dig themselves out of it, and we'll see if she can respond. Yeah, it, It's definitely not just one game from Tarasi. Her numbers are improving as the season goes on. She's obviously still a deadly scorer at 20 points per contest. But she's really struggled early. She's starting to improve with her three-point shot. She was really settling for those. And the big problem with that was they weren't getting any rebounding from Brittany Griner, who's averaging under six rebounds a game despite being the 6'8 dominant player that she is. Last year, she averaged eight rebounds per game. This year, she's down to six. Tarasi's struggling with shooting. Griner's struggling with rebounding and staying out of foul trouble. She's averaging over four fouls a game. And in this particular game against Seattle, she actually finished with 13 points and six rebounds. However, she had five fouls, including a technical when she spiked the ball after picking up, I believe, her third foul of the game. Yeah, she was not happy. No, she was not. (laughs) Uh, The only thing that really Phoenix has going for it right now is Penny Taylor, who seems to have gone through a time warp and is just playing (laughs) out of her mind. She had 19 points, five assists, four rebounds in the loss to Seattle. Yeah, she was six for six from three-point range to start that game, which was she was single-handedly keeping them in that game she took last year off you look at her numbers in 2013 she only played 10 games and averaged eight points in 2014 she averaged 10 and a half points 
This year, she's averaging 14. Her numbers across the board are up four rebounds a game versus three rebounds a game, two steals a game versus one steal a game. I mean, 2014 shot 36% from three. This year, 48% from three. Dang. 2014, 85% from the free throw line. This year, 89% from the free throw line. Penny Taylor has gone through a time warp, is just playing out of her mind. If it was not for her, I think Phoenix would not even have a victory yet. It just comes down to the chemistry of that team. The answer from Seattle in this particular game. It came from across the board. Brianna Stewart, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 assist shy of a triple-double. And she tried so hard to get it, too. She tried so hard, and the refs made sure it didn't happen. (laughs) She got a pass to Sue Bird with one second on the shot clock. Sue shot the shot, and it was half a second too late. The three went down, but they waved it off for a shot clock violation. It would have been her 10th assist for a triple-double as a rookie. Just being aggressive and making sure, you know, knowing that we're undersized most of the time that we have five players on the court and, and we have to, you know, go that extra mile to to get rebounds, to make sure we get defensive stops. And, and once we get them, uh, our transition and our flow into the offense is, makes it a lot of fun. Jewel Lloyd was the star of the game, 32 points, 9 rebounds. Lloyd was just all over the place in that game. It was incredibly impressive to watch. I mean, she And this is actually the second time she set a career high this season against Phoenix. Uh, if you recall, back in uh, May 20th when they played down there, Jewel had uh, 30 points, including the game-winning high-arcing bank shot uh, over Candace Dupree's outstretched hand, and that was an incredible moment. And then she just she was doing it all again in Friday's game. She was scoring. She was hitting three-pointers. She was driving to the basket, attacking. Was not afraid to go right at six foot eight Brittany Griner, drawing fouls on Griner. Uh, there was one play where she basically pogoed off of Brittany Griner and tipped the ball in for a layup. Obviously, there was the amazing double alley-oop between her and Stewie. That was the exemplifying of how this team could play so well in that game. The best way to describe it, they were having fun out there, plain and simple. You don't try a play like that unless you are having fun. They looked like they were out there at a park on a summer's day just playing pickup against whoever came at them, and they were going to stay on all day. They didn't care that it was Griner and Tarasi and Taylor and Dupree and Bonner. They were having fun out there. And just rounding out the dominant performances, Jenna O'Hay got her second straight start. The game before, not very effective. The team was sort of discombobulated. This game, 14 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. Easily her best game of the season. Easily. 4 for 7 from 3, which matches Jewel Lloyd's 4 for 7 from 3. Alicia Clark did come off the bench. She added 5 points, 4 boards. She was 1 for 1 from 3. And, of course, Sue Bird being Sue Bird, 14 points, 6 assists, 4 steals against her former college teammate, Diana Taurasi. And I have to give a shout-out again to Jewel Lloyd for incredible defense on Taurasi. Again, Taurasi doesn't seem to have as much passion this season. That's not trying to say she isn't passionate for the game. She clearly is. But the level of fire she had is matched by almost no one. Michael Jordan comes to mind. Cynthia Cooper comes to mind for the level of fire and passion Taurasi plays with. Right now, she's playing like any normal player would. But the defense that second-year player Jewel Lloyd stuck on Diana Taurasi, considered by some to be the greatest female player of all time, was just incredible. For me, um, you know, going against Taurasi, it's like 
I mean, she's one of my mentors, my you know, my idol. So it's kind of like she's Michael, and I'm Kobe. So you gotta respect that that relationship. So I play extra hard, extra focus for this game. I think everyone in the league does. I mean, they're a championship team. Um, you know, they have great players all around and great coaches. And so you have to put a lot of respect. And the way we respect them is to play hard. We might be seeing the beginnings of the passing of the torch for that shooting guard position, though Maya Moore might have something to say about that. <laughs> we'll get to Maya Moore in a little bit. And Lloyd, I mean, they, some of the hustle plays, if you would watch that game, I mean, she she just kind of dove in there and got some offensive rebounds between Reiner and Bonner and much taller players, but she just had the hustle to will her team to victory in that game. Now, Griner, you know, she did play really well in this game. A um, little bit limited because of the foul trouble, as Colin had mentioned. But there were times, you know, they tried to front her. Phoenix would just lob that ball over the Storm defenders, and Griner would just get these easy, basic layups. She ended up having 13 points in the game. You almost feel like she could have scored a lot more, but I think sometimes they just go out of that offense and they, they don't get the ball to her. She, she was limited. She did not get to play as much because of the foul trouble as well. Wrapping up here, Jewel Lloyd in these three victories that, that Seattle has had now is averaging over 29 points a game, which is just really impressive. Final couple things on Brittany Griner. She was wearing giant knee brace again to start the season. She was not wearing it against Seattle, but she was noticeably limping occasionally. It would come and go, so there's something going on with her knees again that's slowing her down a bit. She's just inconsistent. Right now she reminds me a lot of... Yao Ming early on in his career, which is really weird because she was very dominant the last two seasons, but this year it just seems like she can't quite figure it out, and that sort of is the story for this Phoenix Mercury so far this year. The whole team just seems to not quite be able to put it together. If they ever do, they will be a terrifying matchup for anybody in this league. One thing I kind of really made note of was that it was the Storm's future happening now in the present. For all those that have followed Seattle Storm basketball, obviously the past two years have not been too kind. We've ended up with the number one pick overall, uh, which means obviously we're out of the playoffs. But we benefit in being able to draft Jewel Lloyd out of Notre Dame, being able to draft Brianna Stewart out of UConn. In this game where Brianna Stewart's one assist shy of a triple-double, you know, doing everything out there on the court, Jewel Lloyd completely dominating on the offensive end and defensive end. Just a great sign for Seattle. And now it's just a matter of being able to consistently do that. Another thing that I'm, you know, encouraged about is for a young team, you know, three games in six nights, they're having to learn from film. And sometimes young young players can't do that. They need to go through it. They need to be drilled. And so that's an encouraging sign, I think their ability to process information through film and conversations. Um, it's a hungry bunch, you know, and they want to be good. And we're, we're a long way away from what we can be, and consistency has been an issue, which it is uh, often with young teams. Um, but it was fun to see a glimpse, you know, tonight of what some, what some of these players can do collectively. So finally, in our summation of the last three games for Seattle, we come to the New York Liberty and what turned out to initially be a very close battle between the two different style teams. New York, led by Bill Lambeer as the head coach, with a much more traditional low-post-focused game, great perimeter players as well, versus Seattle's run-and-gun big players like Brianna Stewart, who can play all five positions, Ramuto Kashki, who's a face-up power forward who can play the whole front court. And Jenna O'Hay, who can play multiple positions. And it came down, essentially, to who wanted it more in the third quarter. The first half, 
Big it was almost dead even. It was one point game at halftime, and what really stands out about that is in the first half, Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd combined for only five points, yet the Storm were down by one. It definitely had tones of the game one of the NBA Finals this year where Steph Curry has 11 points and you look up and they're still blowing out Cleveland. (laughs) Watching the performance by none other than Alicia Clark, seemingly back to 100%, she went for 14 of her career-high 23 in the first half. She finished the game 7 for 7 from the floor, 2 for 2 from 3, 7 for 8 from the line, for 23 points, 6 rebounds, an assist and a steal. And it's really great to see her playing and, and just being able to contribute offensively. Um, for those that follow the storm, they know Clark has been maybe more of kind of a jack of all trades. You know, she'll get you a few points, but she's not going to lead the team in scoring. You know, she'll help out in rebounds. She's really solid defensively. Um, but as Colin had mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, in college, she led the nation in scoring. When she plays on Israel's team, they can, you know, she can dominate and, and lead that team in scoring. And, you know, so to see her now, there's actually been two of the games she's led the team Mm -hmm. in scoring. She's really starting to pick up her offensive game. She started to do it last year. Uh, She's getting more significant minutes, much larger role on the team. Uh, Unfortunately, the third quarter came and the closeness of the game went out the window. New York outscoring Seattle 26 to 13. Seattle just came out flat. They were dead tired after the three games in six days, road trip to Indiana and back. And I did get to talk to Jenny Busek about that after the game. Um, I mean, New York's a good team. You know, they're a a very good team. They're a veteran team. They're a huge team, physical team. Um, And and you're probably not going to beat them at their style. So you have to have a lot of energy to compete with them. Uh, We weren't getting paint touches. so even though we might not score in the paint against a team like this, still playing inside out is, is helpful. And we didn't get many paint touches. That helps your shooting percentage. Um, even if it's the same exact shot, if it, if it comes inside out, it's a higher percentage shot for us. Um, but I just thought it was our activity level on both ends. We were stagnant on offense. We weren't moving them. They're a very good defensive team. They're first in the league in points in the paint, opponents points in the paint, opponents field goal percentage, and you have to, to move them. They're not going to distort themselves. thought we were a step slow and, and we weren't active and energetic the way that we need to be. Um, the reality is it was our third game in six nights, starting with a tough road trip. Um, but pr- when, you, you know, when you really become uh, mature in all of this as a team, you learn how to to play the way you need to play whether you feel good or not we're inconsistent right now and this has actually been a problem for the storm now um i know a couple games earlier in the season where they had only scored two points through the first you know six seven minutes of the third quarter um once again here's another third quarter where they're just getting way outplayed they really kind of let the game get away from them Um, a lot of it came down to just really poor shooting um, especially from three-point range, they were 5 of 22 from beyond the arc for just 23%. Uh, ended up shooting 28 of 69 for 41% total. Um, just as Colin was mentioning, they're just looking tired. I mean, Jewel Lloyd could not buy a basket. Same with Brianna Stewart. Both of them just could not make any shots, and that really was the big difference in the game. Especially in the second half. The two of them for the game combined to be 4 for 20. 
Lloyd was 0 for 8. Brianna just did not seem to have the energy to even attack the basket until the very end of the game. Seattle went on a gigantic run in the last three minutes, cut the lead all the way down to three, and then Lloyd was just unable to get a shot to fall. It was just not her night after a fantastic game two days before. And then, fittingly, to put the game out of reach was Tanisha Wright hit back-to-back jumpers. Tanisha had a 10-year career in Seattle, was the starting shooting guard on the 2010 championship team. It's only fitting that it would be her that puts the game out of reach for her former team. Brianna Stewart had 17 rebounds, which is a new career high, and she's just showing her ability to just get up there, those long-stretched arms. Um, is really gives her that opportunity to collect these boards, and she's going to be dominant in that factor the dominance in that game though came from tina charles on new york yeah and this was something i was really interested to check out in tonight's game because charles single-handedly defeated the storm in both games last season she just completely dominated them down in the low post she had 30 points in at least one of those games she was just completely dominant i was really curious to see how they were going to try to defend her were they going to maybe throw double teams at her i know that's not as common usually in the wnba but it's you know i was going to see how were they going to counter her um and as colin mentioned you know charles she did her thing she had 19 points and 13 rebounds you know just a really impressive double bubble whenever they needed shots she was making them and she led that team to victory but they also had a couple other players that played really well um you know sugar rogers is really stepping her game up she had 18 points and five assists and um off the bench zealous with 12 points and four rebounds and a uh, britney boyd who had 10 points and three rebounds. And Colin, I know you, you're you really high on Boyd, and actually talk about that. Yeah, I've been really, really high on Brittany Boyd since the start of her senior year at Cal. As a UW women's season ticket holder, I got to see her in person quite a bit and see her improve from her junior year to her senior year. Her tenacity, her ferociousness, and her determination to win is matched by very few players that young especially ones that aren't necessarily rotation players. She's stepping her game up this year. You know, the 10 points and three rebounds, but she did that in 12 minutes. Was an unprecedented for her 5 for 5 from the field. And my main reason why I was so high on her with uh, Seattle in particular, I wanted them to draft her last year. Number three overall. Number three overall. And when Seattle only had the number one pick before Lloyd and Zowie B entered, I wanted them to take her number one because there was no clear number one. I just simply wanted a player that could possibly eventually replace Sue Bird, who had that fire that fit the Seattle brand, the Seattle personality out there. I think she would have been a very good fit, and I've been saying since New York drafted her, they've got a steal of a player there, and she definitely stepped up. On that subject, I did get to interview Bill Lambeer before the game, talk to him about a number of subjects, including the post-play of that team and the new pieces they fit in to replace the injured Epiphany Prince. You guys had a great season last year. Obviously, it didn't quite end the way you wanted it to, but how do you build on that, the momentum for this season? Uh, well, I think, you know, individual players have to pick up their game and get better. I know Tina's worked really hard to be even more consistent than she's been in the past. Uh, you know, we lost a key player in Epiphany Prince, so it, it hurts us a little bit. You know, and every team makes changes as we did. But, you know, we're still trying to find our, our way. We know our identity is on defense. Uh, now we've got to figure out a way to score consistently. So uh, speaking of Epiphany, how do you fill that wood with her leadership on court and her backcourt scoring? Well, we signed up Zealous, uh, who's a quality player, you know, competes really hard, uh, gives us some things we didn't have last year. Uh, 
and Sugar Rogers has picked up her game this year, you know, taking their level for him, which is much needed by us. And then you just acquired, obviously, Amanda Sowie B and Shoni Schimmel. What is it you see in those players, and how are you able to pull off trades of that caliber so frequently? Well, we know what Schimmel can do in this league. You know, she's proven she can score. Uh, she's just a quality passer. Uh, and we got her for a second-round pick. We thought it was a great value pick. Uh, you know, not, you know, she's out of shape, but she's working on it real hard right now. So we knew we were getting eyes wide open. It's more of a long-term situation. Uh, with Amanda, um, second pick in the draft. Uh, we swapped first and for a second and got her. Uh, can't get enough size in this league. She has lots of skills. She just has to uh, find her way. And once she does, she'll be a quality player. And then uh, finally, speaking about size, a lot of commentators have said the traditional post position is sort of dying and a lost art. But obviously with your roster, you've got quite a few great post players. And it seems very prevalent in the WNBA. What do you attribute that to? Well, you know, Tina anchors our post brigade. Um, she's arguably the best post player in the world, men or women, at her craft. Uh, and, you know, we've got size and swords. Uh, but Key is also, uh, uh, once she understands how she can score, uh, she'll be a double-digit scorer in this league. She's got a, a scorer's mentality. And if it gets Zowie, you know, to do her thing, she can inside-out player. Uh, so but all our post players that for swords can do multiple things on the court. Another thing that really stood out against the New York Liberty, especially as a positive for Seattle, was Ramu Tokashki. She she played really well uh, in this game. She had a very good rookie year. She averaged over eight points a game. I think that was actually third um, overall for all she, rookies. She was all rookie last year. Yeah, she she had a really fantastic rookie season. Now, with, with adding Brianna Stewart, who basically is the um, same position, usually either a three or a stretch four, um, her minutes have been limited so far. They're kind of trying to figure out a rotation to get talk playing, um, but obviously you're going to play Stewart because she's a once-in-a-generation type talent. Um, so they're trying to find uh, talk more minutes because she's had limited minutes. She, you know, she gets inconsistent. Maybe she gets a couple shots a game. If they don't fall, you know, and then she's not scoring her points she had a fantastic game she did have 15 points off the bench which is something if they are going to bring her off the bench that's what they need because you know seattle so far has not had a good bench as far as scoring and point production so they really need to get some firepower off that bench you know you would look to maybe kalina mosquito lewis obviously talk as well and so it was great to see talk have that fantastic game yeah the seattle bench actually finished with 21 points sadly in terms of balance 15 were from talk out of the 21 impressively though she had 15 points in 15 minutes of play she went right at whoever they wanted to throw at her she wasn't intimidated by anybody she had to guard either she played extremely well i'm really looking forward to seeing her play more and what is really nice at this point in the season is we're finally starting to see coach jenny busek and her staff sort of cement what their rotation is going to be there's slight changes each game due to matchups it's something that she really focuses on is being able to switch up rotations to have the best possible matchup, but we're seeing a much more consistent rotation. We know who's going to come in when, to a much greater extent than earlier in the season, when it was, 
we don't think this player is going to play for three games. Uh, this player is going to play 25 minutes one night and play three minutes the next. It's becoming much more balanced, and I think that's why we're seeing these, the Storm be a much more competitive team now than they did, especially in the season opener where they got blown out in Los Angeles. Going back to what Colin was talking about with Penny Taylor and finding the fountain of youth, you know, I think Sue Bird might have found that same fountain because she's having a fantastic season so far. I mean, obviously, there's always Sue, Sue's our, our beloved player here in Seattle, but her, her the past couple seasons have not been fantastic. They've been good, but they haven't been kind of that elite, elite level, but she really is bringing it up. She had 13 points and 10 assists. I believe she's second now in the league in, in averaging assists. She's averaging close to 13 points a game this season, which is up about two and a half points a game uh, from the past two years where she was only averaging about 10 and a half points. It's been mentioned that she looked fantastic as far as being in shape in camp. Not that she's ever been out of shape, but she's just looked really, really well and on point um, even before the season started. And outside of that very first game against the Sparks, uh, which basically none of the veterans played well in that game, otherwise Sue has been just putting up 12 to 15 points a game. She's just played really well. So now that we wrapped up uh, the game recaps for the Seattle Storm, uh, we're going to get into discussion about early front runners for league MVP. Jeff and I sort of have broken this down to there's four candidates who are the early front runners uh, in no particular order because we'll break that down in a minute. You've got Maya Moore who is permanently on that list. She's considered by some to be the Michael Jordan of the WNBA right now. Angel McCautry of the upstart out of nowhere Atlanta Dream. Candace Parker of the surprisingly dominant LA Sparks. Some expected them to be good. Nobody expected them to be this great, mm-hmm. especially this early. And of course, you've got the player we've already talked about extensively, Tina Charles, who is dominating the WNBA, leading the league in scoring and rebounding for New York. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Charles tops the WNBA at 21.5 points a game and almost 12 rebounds at 11.6 rebounds a game. She's led New York to a 4-3 and record overall, which is second best out east, and that's fourth best overall. And another thing to look at with that record, it's somewhat misleading. It's very early in the year, but more importantly, New York is missing their starting point guard from last season's team that had the best record in the WNBA. Epiphany Prince had a major injury that has sidelined her till at least September, possibly throughout the whole season. And New York, as Bill Lambeer discussed in that earlier interview, has been trying to figure out how to fill that void. So that record is slightly misleading as they put those pieces together. Maya Moore, as we talked about, one of several great players on the Minnesota Lynx. If there's only one reason why she wouldn't be picked as the MVP, it might be because her other cast members are not really a supporting cast. They're a a dominant team. She's got three other members of Team USA in her starting five. (laughs) It's it's not fair, is what we're saying. Minnesota, they're out to a 7-0 record. They are the defending champions. They've won three out of the past five championships. They're really well on their way to winning another championship again. Maya Moore is second in the league in scoring at 21 points, and she's also third in the league in assists at 5.4 assists per game. The next player on that list, Angel McCautry of the Atlanta Dream. Angel has long been the face of the Atlanta Dream going back to 2010 when she led them to their first WNBA Finals against the Seattle Storm. That team has overachieved beyond what I think anybody could have possibly predicted. They were essentially in rebuilding mode this season, but somehow have got the second best record. Best record is a tie between LA and Minnesota at 7-0, and whereas Atlanta stands at 6-2. and Yeah, and this really surprised me. I mean, I think I had 
pick them second, uh, just above San Antonio, as far as second worst above San Antonio. And so for their six and two start, and obviously Angel McCautry leading the way with that is just incredibly impressive. She is third in the league in scoring right now at 20.4 points a game. Uh, she's also averaging six rebounds, two and a half assists a game, and two steals a game. So she's kind of doing it all, and she's leading that team to you know, a great record and a great start this season. The mark of an MVP is how do you make the players around you better? On paper, this is obviously proving not to be true, but on paper, she has a very quote-unquote weak supporting cast. That weak supporting cast is just dominating every piece of competition they come up against. Tiffany Hayes is putting up 15 a game. Alicia Clarendon's putting up 13 a game. And the surprise second-year player, Elizabeth Williams, with 11 points, 6 rebounds, and 2.5 and blocks per contest. <laughs> and part of me kind of hates to see that in a way because I know for myself personally, I was really pushing for the storm to uh, draft Elizabeth Williams out of Duke. I know Colin had mentioned he really wanted Brittany Boyd and for good reason. She's been playing really well. Um, for me, I, I looked at it as, you know, they were ideally getting Jewel Lloyd with that number one overall pick. And they also kind of need some center help. And now to see Elizabeth William, she's contributing really well for this Atlanta Dream team. So the final contender for early MVP is none other than Candace Parker. As many people have talked about, left off of the Olympic roster in favor of Brianna Stewart. She was not happy about that. And she went to town in the first game against Stewart. Stewart actually answered, sort of joined the battle, but L.A. just, just won the war in that one. Parker as always, doing it all. 18 points a game, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, a block, 46% from the 3-point line, playing power forward, doing everything, and leading L.A., who is projected to be kind of middle of the pack. Yeah, but I think I had him around 4th, maybe 5th even. Oh, and oh, a lot of people had him no higher than 2nd, more 3rd, 4th, 5th in the league, and they are 7-0, and dominating their competition, just making it look easy. And a lot of that just comes down to the play of Candace Parker. She came in this is the first year in her career. She has been at every day of training camp. It's the first time in a long and storied career. And that has helped a lot with the chemistry on the team, despite them missing a lot of players at the start of camp. Her, Neka Gumake, and Christy Tolliver are just tearing it up. But Parker is the leader of that team. So it sort of begs the question right now, at this moment in time, the two leaders are Tina Charles for New York and Candace Parker for L.A. And it's the debate of which one would you take if you had to pick your MVP right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I think I'd probably lean Tina Charles just because she's, she's so good. She's been dominant, you know, with both leading the league in points and rebounds but you know the record it's four and three so it's still a good record it's still definitely a playoff record um but you know look at candace parker and the los angeles sparks i know i did not have him playing this well i think maybe only a quick shout out to kevin pelton i think he had him ranked as maybe the second best team in the league I didn't see it offhand, but they're proving me wrong for sure because they're, they're just tearing it up along with Minnesota. So right now for the MVP, I am going to, and it's a very tough call, but I'm going to lean towards Candace Parker, and that's going to go back towards what happened last season. She sat out the first half of last season. The Sparks started 0-7, finished the first half of the season 3-14. Parker returned. They finished the season 14-20. So they won 11 of their final 17 games. Since she's come back, they have won 18 out of their last 24 games. Without her, they were 3-14. The question is, what would happen if Tina Charles had to sit out? What would happen in New York? It's <laughs> a but, good question. <laughs> but on paper right now, just because the data's there, I am going to pick Candace Parker. 
that that is still open very much to debate. But to both of us, it's Tina Charles or Candace Parker for early MVP. Yeah, and Maya Moore is right there, too, hanging around. It's going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out throughout the season, and especially to see if Los Angeles keeps on this run. I mean, that's incredibly impressive for them to play so well. And obviously, you're right, they started it last season, so this isn't completely out of nowhere. But obviously, they did struggle early on without Candace Parker last season, and so they're really putting things together now. And... It's really kind of an interesting look for us, especially here in Seattle, because they are coached by Brian Agler, obviously well-known to be Seattle Storm coach for several years. He was the coach of the championship team in 2010. He's a really fantastic coach, very good X's and O's, extremely good with defense. It was time to move on in Seattle because Seattle was really trying to rebuild with youth. And that's kind of the one knock on Brian Agler is he's not the best as far as developing young players. He really wants, you know, those veteran players that he can just, they he's going to be able to tell them these things and they're going to know and they're going to execute that perfectly and not kind of have to deal with that struggles of, mm-hmm. hey, this one game, they're, you know, they're playing really well and they're doing everything right. And then this next game, they're just not. But Brian Agler's he's doing a really impressive job. I think, I do remember uh, reading about how uh, some people had said that last season even as they struggled and didn't have a winning record but they did make the playoffs for the sparks um that that could have been one of his best coaching years of his career so far and um and you know this season he's really working right on that and and just improving and so it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they play throughout the rest of the season yes it's going to be another interesting thing to keep an eye on is who's going to get coach of the year Right now, I'd say the two front runners are Michael Cooper and Brian Agler. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see between those two. So with that, we are going to wrap up this episode of Changing the Game. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Keep tuned right here to todaysfastbreak.com, sonicsrising.com, iTunes, Google Play. This podcast is av- will be available all over the place. Also check out Sonics Rising slash Storm Chasers to find articles by Jeff Brown and today's Fast Breaks WNBA coverage to find weekly articles by myself, Colin Davenport. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us. And my until next Col- time. My name is Colin Davenport of today's Fast Break. Jeff Brown, Sonics Rising and Storm Chasers. Until next time. We're out.